0: The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. There's no space that His love can't reach. There's no place that we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. Um, Back when I was in high school, uh, back in the 60s, I still remember when I was asked to give my first speech in speech class. I don't know if any of you have memories like that. Um, as I'm thinking back, what, it's kind of interesting in my life. Music has always kind of given me ideas and thoughts. And we were supposed to share a uh, type of speech to convince people of something, to motivate them to do something. And uh, the movie Sound of Music was out then, so I'm kind of dating myself a little bit. And um, the, the song that I chose was Climb Every Mountain. And that song's got great poetry. If you know the song, right? It's kind of inspiring when you listen to it. Um, but you know what the reality is? That's just poetry. That is just poetry. Nice ideas, maybe encouraging ideas, but it's poetry. Uh, those truths are what God word, God's Word proclaims. And on this Mother's Day, my prayer is this, that if anybody needs to have a sense of hope, a sense of hope or a sense of peace, that God's Word would give that to you. I believe we have people who have come into worship that are in moments of celebration, like the baptismal family. Some of you moms are going to have parties today, have celebrations. Uh, Other people come in here, in some of the toughest times of life. You know, and I thank God you had the courage to come today. Um, but I think we all need, at different times in our life, kind of a renewal of hope that what the Bible says is really true. Because that hope then can give peace. And if any of you leave tonight, this morning, if any of you leave with a deeper sense of hope and peace, Uh, It's not because of the song we picked, and it's not because of my words. Uh, It's because the Holy Spirit has done something in your heart. So let's join in prayer and ask Him to work His works. Gracious Father, you proclaim through the prophet Isaiah that before we call to you in prayer, you answer, and that while we are speaking, you hear. Today we rest our hearts on your promise, Lord that you know the prayers of every mother for her family, the prayer of every worshiper for their life. Lord, as we open your word, we pray for the blessings of peace and hope based upon your amazing love. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. I'd like to begin looking in God's word in Psalm 139. David expresses this concept that there is no space that his love can't reach. Um, he speaks about this love and this presence of God that's with him wherever he is. Beginning in verse one. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You have me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heavens, you are there. You can hear in the words of David that he definitely believed that there's no space that God's presence, which would include his love, cannot possibly reach. What I want to do is to walk through the storyline of God's Word and let you just kind of see from these different stories how the Scripture does proclaim that his love reaches everywhere. His love reaches everywhere. You go to the very first story in the Bible about humanity with Adam and Eve, uh, in that garden of eden where they chose to fall into sin and when you read that storyline they're hiding and what is god doing the bible tells us as adam and eve hid the lord god called out to man where are you where are you i would venture to say that it's very possible there's some moms here tonight today they're here today that um are really concerned about the salvation of a child. When I read that story of Adam and Eve, I'm reminded that even though Adam and Eve were hiding, even though that child could be hiding from God, God is still, he's still calling out. He's still calling out to them. If any of you as a worshiper have been hiding from God, he's calling out to you. His love reaches down even when we're hiding. You go to the story of Abraham. He's in a land called Ur in the Bible, which is now called Iraq. Before he even knew God, God called out to him. God calls out to him, and Abraham hears that voice, and he follows him. Follows him into the what we call the Holy Land now. Uh, has a son, and in that picture, maybe you're familiar with the story where God has asked him to sacrifice his only son. And Abraham doesn't know the outcome of the story. He just wants to do what God has asked him to do because over this whole period of his life, he really believes in a God of love, a God who's with him, a God that provides. And as they're walking up that mountain, and Isaac's carrying the wood, and Abraham's carrying the fire, if you remember the story in there, uh, Isaac asks his father, he says, Father, we have the wood, and we do have the fire, but Dad, where is the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? And Abraham came back with the words. At this time in his life, he said, God will what? Provide. God will provide. Why? Because his love reaches everywhere. You go to the story of Joseph a young boy. He's thrown into a pit by his brothers, sold into slavery. From there, he ends up working for Potiphar, and he's falsely accused, ends up in prison. And then he becomes the second most powerful man in all of the world as a ruler in Egypt. And at the end of the storyline, looking back over his life, and when he's sitting there with his brothers, and they know him and he knows them, he speaks these words, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done in the saving of many lives. I'm not positive that every moment of Joseph's life he knew that, but when he walked through his life and he looked back, he could see this amazing love of God that was at work. And God was doing something he may not have understood, but God was at work. To accomplish what was being done at that time in his life. You go to Moses. Think of Moses, little baby floating in a Nile River that God saves. And then he's privileged to have his own mom raise him in Pharaoh's house for 40 years. Spends 40 more years as a shepherd and in 40 years leading Israel through their rebellion in the wilderness. At the end of all that period of time, the end of all the period of time, he says something that he wasn't saying on that mountain when God first appeared to him in that burning bush. Remember that burning bush? He felt he couldn't do what God was asking him to do. At the end of his life, looking back over everything, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 33, he says, your strength, Israel, will equal your days. All the battles they're going to fight going into the promised land under Joshua, Moses wants to tell him something he's learned about walking with God, that every day God gives strength. He doesn't give it for tomorrow. He gives it for today. Because he loves his people, he's there with them to give them strength for each and every day. Go to the story of Naomi and Ruth. Naomi is a mother in Bethlehem. She goes with her husband and two sons to Moab, not a land that Jewish people would want to go to. That was not a welcoming place for Jews. But in that unwelcoming place, uh, her husband dies, her two sons die. Devastation. Her daughter, Ruth, goes back to Bethlehem with her. And in Bethlehem, God provides, in a really miraculous way, a husband for Ruth. And then they're blessed with a baby a baby whose name is Obed, who becomes an ancestor of King David. You go from devastation to celebration, and a God whose love was present in Moab and in Bethlehem. From there you go to the story of Rahab, this woman of ill repute in the land of Jericho. Her entire city is destroyed, but she's saved. She and her family are saved. Why? Because she turned to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, Then you read her storyline, and you find out that she actually was the mother of Boaz who had married Ruth. And her name appears in the Gospel of Matthew. So as you look at these stories, you keep seeing this God who's with his people in all these different places, working his works because he loves people. You go to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and maybe you know you can identify the situation. Not that you're being thrown in the fiery furnace, but what you're going through, you just don't know the outcome. You just don't know the outcome. And I believe that as a believing mother, as a believing Christian, the testimony that these three young men shared is there to inspire us and to give us courage to say what they said. They didn't know if they are going to live or die. They said, even if we die, we're still going to worship the Lord. In life circumstances, to trust the fact that God is with you, that He loves you, and that He's at work. The story of Daniel sounds a lot like that other story. A man who chose to pray to God in a land that didn't want his prayers being offered to the God he believed in. But he prayed three times a day with his window open, facing Jerusalem. Ends up in a lion's den, but he was preserved. He was protected. God wanted to use his life. God's love and his presence was even in that land. And then you go to the land of Persia, Queen Esther. Young girl. She knows if she asks to go to see the king, she'll be killed because the law in Persia was you don't go to see the king if you're the queen, unless you're invited. But she had heard that the king was part of a conspiracy type of thing, where her own people are going to be killed. And she says this, I will go to the king even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. She knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he was with her, and whatever's going to happen, he still is there, and he still loves us. You know, when the Apostle Paul wrote these words in the book of Romans, he knew these stories far better than any of us know. Raised up in the Jewish faith, and look what he says about those stories. He says, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance and the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter what your life situation is. doesn't matter if you love God. He loves you. And he's at work. He is at work. The psalmist said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. He's with me always. He loves me always. And all those stories turn and point to the person and the work of our Savior Jesus. Think of his ministry, how it reflected this idea that his love can be given anywhere, and it is everywhere. Didn't matter if he was in a small town. Didn't matter if he was in Jerusalem. His love was there. Did not matter if he was in a temple or on the roadside. Did not matter if he was in Judea or in Samaria. It did not matter if he was with the promised people or with the people in the land of the Decapolis, where the 10 tribes that the Israelites had conquered had fled. In the Decapolis, he heals a man called Legion. In the Decapolis, he feeds 4,000 people. His love through his ministry went everywhere. God's love goes everywhere. And if you can find Jesus, if you can find Jesus, the Son of God, suffering and dying on a cross at Calvary, if you can find Him there, and if you can find Him laying in death in a tomb, where can you not find Him? Where can you not find the God who loves His people? From celebrations to devastations, from times of obedience to times of rebellion. God's love is there for his people. The song said that there's no end to amazing grace. No end to amazing grace. Moses heard God speak about that on Mount Sinai in these words. God said, I show love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. A thousand generations. David, when he concluded the 23rd Psalm, surely goodness and love will follow me. How long? All the days of my life. Will it ever end? No, because I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Read these words with me from Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. You know, Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never, ever pass away. The truth that we see in the scriptures, the truth that you see in your own life, is going to be there for future generations. Um, You know, I was thinking about this amazing grace that never ends. And I just started thinking about my own life. And you can think about your own life, your heritage, the future. Um, I thought about my two grandmothers and I was blessed to know. Uh, my grandma Erickson came over on a boat from Sweden, ended up in Calumet, Michigan, married a miner. Um, had her life story. Born in the late 1800s, my grandma Kropsky was raised on a farm in Waltz, Michigan. Uh, married a guy who drove streetcar in Detroit. Um, I knew their life stories, not all of it, but I heard stories. Um, I saw each of them remember the day that um, a young child died, one of their children died from different childhood diseases. Um, I saw them go through the joys of life. I saw them face death. Um, My mother, my mother-in-law, both born in the early 1900s, I saw the life story of my mother-in-law, how God's amazing grace was there for her. I looked at my mother, how God's amazing grace was there for her. I saw them both face death. God's amazing grace was with them. I think of my wife, living with me for 47 years. <laughs> there are days where she says, So you're the minister of family life. But you know, she still loves me. I thank God for that. But I think about all that she's been through in her lifetime, all that she's done as a mother, now as a grandmother. God's amazing grace. I look at my daughter. I look at my daughter-in-laws, their families. God's amazing grace is there for them. I look at my nieces, and now my nieces' children are having children, and God's amazing grace is there for them. I want my grandchildren to know, especially my granddaughters as mothers, that God's amazing grace is gonna be there for them. It's not gonna end. It's everywhere, and it's available. That gives hope, doesn't it? The world's gonna change. Our our life doesn't look like those Bible pictures, correct? Nations rise and fall. All kinds of things happen in this world. But God's amazing grace is constant. From Genesis to Revelation, it's constant and it doesn't end. Um, I'd like you to turn your Bibles to the story that that song really reminded me of um, with Peter and Jesus, where Jesus walks on the water in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. I just want you to take note. You know that story. Jesus had asked them to get in the boat. He leaves them. They go in the boat. They're crossing the lake. Storm comes up. And they see a figure walking on the water. And they're terrified. You can see in verse 26, they're terrified. In Verse 27, though, Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it's I. don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. I want you to look at verse 31. If you have your own Bibles, that's a verse worth highlighting, marking, starring. You go home today, mark your Bible on this verse. Notice Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Did Peter deserve it? No. He was doubting. He had little faith. But who reached out to who? Peter is sinking. Jesus reaches out to him. You and I, as we live through this life, in the storms of life especially, to have that imagery in our heart. That that's who our Jesus is. He reaches out. He holds on to me. Finally, I'd like you to turn to the Book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter forty, begin in verse twenty-seven. As maybe you've asked the question, especially in a really tough day, that is asked in verse twenty-seven: Why? Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? I don't know how you live in this world sometimes, not ask why. Even as a believer of Jesus Christ, you ask why. When you ask that question, remember that you're in good company. Jesus asked that question when he was on the cross at Calvary. He said, my God, my God, Why? Have you forsaken me? Does God turn us away when He asks the why question? No. Instead, He takes us to remember. Look at verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting. He's the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, the old King James Version used to say, wait and wait on the Lord. I love that picture, waiting and hoping. They will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. You know, I shared with you just a few stories from the Bible. But that summarizes many lives in that text. Wouldn't you agree? People lost strength. They need to be helped. And the God of creation, they waited on him, and they renewed strength. I believe we renew strength when we prayerfully just wait on the Lord. You keep praying. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. Our God is there with his love. He's there with his presence. Uh, there is no place, the, that song said, where you can't find peace. And it does come through the work of our God in our hearts. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious Father, the testimony of your word is before us. The life and ministry of your Son, his death and resurrection confirms that your love is everlasting. That you always have been and always will be with your people. Father, may this word work hope and peace for all of us today, especially for every mother. As we prayerfully wait on you, knowing you are holding us, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.